0: And welcome to Bags and Boards. Coming up on tonight's show, my favorite episode of the year. We are talking Essen 2017. We've got our top 10 most anticipated games releasing at the world's biggest game fair, plus a preview of all the other games coming out. Stay tuned, and we are talking about Essen 2017 right when we get back. And welcome to the show, everybody. I'm Lance McFarlane here with D. Clark. D., how's it going? Doing well, Lance. How are you today? Doing pretty good. We haven't seen each other in a while. It's been a pretty good week, I would say. Uh, So far, so good for sure. Uh, we'll tell everyone about the show if you haven't listened to Bags and Boards. Uh, we are a weekly board game review and discussion show here on KXTR 100.7. You can listen online at KXTR.com by clicking Listen Live or on 100.7. We are also a podcast. You can find Bags and Boards on iTunes and all other podcast directories. Please subscribe, uh, rate, review, and review and you'll get notified of new episodes as they come out. Uh, We're on Twitter at Bags and Boards TX at Facebook.com slash Bags and Boards and Bags and Boards TX at gmail.com. Get ready, everybody. This is the Essen 2017 episode, my favorite episode of the year, like I said. Spiel, man. I'm Uh, so psyched. Me too. So uh, Essen, if everyone doesn't know, is a convention that happens in Essen, Germany every year. It's actually called Spiel. The Spiel at at Essen, but in America, everyone calls it Essen. Right, because you're- Yeah, that's where you're going. Yeah, so it happens every year. It's arguably the world's largest convention, right? Uh, Gen Con is right there, neck and neck, but it- it's probably the biggest one there is. I, I
1: I don't know the numbers, but if you asked me which one I thought was bigger, I'd definitely say Essen. Yeah,
0: and I mean, if there's one convention that I just am dying to go to, it's definitely this one. Yeah, it's a bucket list item. I would need to go with about ten empty suitcases and way more money than I have on hand yes. at any given moment. But. I mean, for me, D, I bet you probably know this, but this is like the convention with the releases that are for me. Absolutely. I'm a Euro game player. That's my favorite kind of games to play, and this is a convention where the hottest Euro games of the year are released. Absolutely. And, you know, a lot of these games that we'll be talking about today when we do our top tens or when we talk about other games, they won't necessarily be coming out in the U.S. These won't be available for me and you listening here in Stephenville To buy right now, right?
1: Some of these won't be released over here at all.
0: A few, yes. You're right about that. I mean, it's a relatively small list, but it's it's a non-zero to be certain. You are right about that. So um, check it out. If any of these sound really interesting to you, there are a few ways you can get your hands on them. You can play one of the games on your shelf that you haven't played ever or in a long time and just be patient and wait for them to... Either come over to the US or be picked up by a company in the US and released, but also a company called, I'm sure other companies online do this too. No, nothing to do with Fun Again Games. This is just the one I know of. Right. So funagangames.com, they go to Essen and they ship back. A ton of games. Yes. So if you want them, you can get them. And there are a couple of games that are coming out that aren't in the coming out in the U.S. right now that I would definitely do that with. Yeah, right? you have to pay a little bit of
1: a premium, but if that's, that's what true. you're looking for, it's absolutely worth it.
0: Yes. So there are ways to get it. FunnyGamingGames.com is a great way. There's also, if you go to—we're doing this early enough. Uh, SN is coming up uh, towards the middle to end of October. Yes. I should have the dates on hand, but I don't. But it, there are. If you go to BoardGameGeek.com, go to the Essen uh, Forum, there's mules that will pick up games for you. You pay them a little bit of money, give them the money for the game, and they'll pick up the game for you. Yep. They'll either ship it back to you or bring it back in their luggage. So there are ways to get these games. So what I was going to say before we start talking about Essen is uh, before we get full into it, right, we're not doing news, we're not doing release dates, none of that stuff. I just wanted to talk about a couple of really quick things. What a week this is, right? I mean, D, in one week, we've got No Mercy was on. Yes. So that was great. There was also a Ring of Honor pay-per-view last Friday. Yes, there was. And on Sunday, there was a New Japan Pro Wrestling pay-per-view. So great for wrestling pay-per-views. But also, Star Trek Discovery. Star Trek's my favorite show of all time. Of course. Right. So, I mean, Star Trek Discovery coming on, and it was good. Survivor coming on. Yep. Tonight. Tonight's Survivor. Dave. If you're listening on Wednesday, so... What a great, it's just been a good week for content, right? Absolutely. Got some great games in the mail. I finally got a box from Germany that I've been waiting on for a very long time. Uh, I had Madeira and um, Railroad Revolution from What's Your Game in It? I uh, also got Tiny Epic Quest in the mail, which is really cool. So, been a good week. I'm ready to talk some board games. Let's get into the list. We're not covering anything else. Do you got anything to add before we get into it? I have it? nothing to add. I, I'm
1: I'm excited and ready to do this, man. So,
0: let me ask you a question. As I ask you every single time we uh, do this, do you have any runners up?
1: I do not. I cut it to ten, and was I'm pretty happy with my ten, honestly. Cool.
0: So, I have three runners up, which I'll cover. Uh, Before we get into it, before we do that, I wanted to tell everyone about Game & Movie Traders. We're brought to you by Game & Movie Traders. They do buy, sell, and trade for both new and used video games for any console. They do DVDs and Blu-rays and comic books. They also feature a selection of board and card games, including Magic the Gathering and other collectible card games. They're located at 2900 West Washington Street, Suite 60, right next door to the movie theater, and can be reached by calling 965-GAME or online at facebook.com slash gameandmovietraders. Sville. so D. Let's get into the list. I'm going to hit these three runners up really quick, and then we'll go with number ten. Okay. All right. So my first one is Indian Summer from Uwe Rosenberg and Stronghold Games. Okay. This is kind of the progression of the Patchwork system. Yes. So he did the game uh, in the name of Odin, which part of that game is this little like Tetrisy puzzle piece game, and he took that part of that big game out and released Patchwork. Right, but then he did a game which was a two-player game, and then he did Cottage Garden, which was a multiplayer game that had kind of the same thing, but it's a little bit deeper, right? Okay. So now this one is kind of the deepest, heaviest version of that. Not that it's really heavy, but it's called Indian Summer, and it's another one of those, uh, you know, Tetris puzzle piece games, a follow-up to Patchwork and Cottage Garden from Uwe Rosenberg. I've not played any one of those other three games that feature this mechanism, so I don't know anything about it. Um, I've got Baron Park, which has that same kind of thing going on, Uh, but definitely excited about it. But I I haven't played those others, so that's why it's a runner-up. Sure. You know, it's why an UV game is runner-up instead of on the list, right? Makes sense. So my number two is The Ruhr, A Story of Coal Trade from Capstone Games. Uh, The only reason this got on the runner-up list is mostly because it's a reprint of a game that came out a few years ago. Uh, but it's a reprint of, it's an upgraded version of the original German game, which was called Rüchefort 1769 through 1890. Uh, this is the second game in Thomas Spitzer's Coal Trilogy. You're transporting coal to sell to cities along the Ruhr River in the 18th and 19th centuries. That's the game. This, it's the uh, second game in that trilogy.
1: Yeah, this was one of my last cuts off of my top 10 list, so I'm awesome, right man. there with you.
0: It's uh, This trilogy is supposed to be really good. The third game was not released by uh, Spielworks in Germany, which kind of made everyone go, like, what's wrong with that game? Like, yeah. they released the first two in this trilogy and didn't want to release the last one. So I'm not sure what Capstone's going to do about that third game, but they have now released the first two. So, well, that's something um, at least. So my third one is Scythe, the Wind Gambit from Stonemaier Games. Uh, it's an expansion for Scythe that adds airships as a new unit that has, that unit has one passive ability and one aggressive ability, and it adds another thing called resolutions, uh, which changes the end game of, uh, Scythe. So it kind of makes you like, there's eight cards that all change the end game in some way. So how, which means how the game ends. So it kind of makes you have to like really switch up what you're doing. So, um, that that didn't quite make the top 10, be, not because it's an expansion. I don't mind putting expansions on my top 10. Right. But just because it, as an expansion, didn't necessarily beat any of the stuff that was on the top 10. That's so, fair enough. Um, so, D, your number 10. Let's get into it.
1: My number 10 is Pioneer Games. It's designed by Matthew Dunstan and Chris Marling, uh, published by Tasty Minstrel Games. Um, it is a exploration game along the uh, Oregon trail you're trying to take uh, pioneers to pioneer towns to get them uh, settled and get them jobs uh, different towns along the map are looking for specific types of pioneers so you have to be uh, careful about matching the right pioneer with the right place and not uh, uh, going to the wrong spot and wasting a bunch of time theres okay. a time management element to it yeah um, but it's just it's got a solid theme it's a little bit of a Not like a crayon rail game, but there's a there's a certainly a train game feel to it for me. Yeah. Um and it just it just looked really interesting.
0: So there you go. So it's called Pioneer Game? Uh, Pioneer Days, Pioneer Days. Okay, and it's from Tasty Menstrual. Yeah, so know it's Tasty probably Tasty a really Minstrel good has game. Has a good track record of picking up solid titles. Exactly, and it's a cool theme. I love, I love that kind of stuff. Sure, you know what I mean. So, anyway, I did see that one too. I, I didn't even write it down here. I must have just completely let that one slip right past it's, me.
1: It, it is a uh, a dice selection game in part. Okay,
0: um, which I know
1: sometimes you're not a big fan of dice games, so that may have been part of it. But if you're talking about like dice
0: drafting, yeah, like I love that.
1: So you the, the there are different dice it doesn't say how many there are but depending on what you roll they do different things yeah and then you don't draft all the dice so the dice that don't get drafted uh, count towards calamities that take negatives away from everybody and once you get so many like say uh, so many uh, silver pieces that get that don't get uh, drafted then uh, robbers come and steal everybody's silver
0: Okay, that's interesting. But so, you're not stealing each other's stuff. No,
1: but it's it's the game it's the game hating everybody basically.
0: Yeah. So you remember the Signoria? Uh, C- yes. The, you're talking about dice drafting like that. Yes. No, I I love that. Okay. Like, you know, you've got dice in games, which is all luck based, but then you've got dice and. One dice being a certain number doesn't make it unlucky or lucky. Right. It's like, what are you gonna do with that number on that die? Right. You know what I mean? It's your choice. Like, you still have choices with a dice drafting game. Right. Rather than these are my dice, I rolled them. Oh, I rolled bad.
1: Yeah. So I'm. I'm.
0: You know. Sol. That's what I'm not into. But, okay. Um. That sounds really cool. I. I. I'm really interested in that one too. That might have made my list if I hadn't just completely botched on that one. It but, happens. D that does happen. I just we've say, done a lot of top ten lists. I, we've done
1: a lot of top ten lists, and very rarely do we agree on things. Yeah. <laughs> so
0: uh, my number ten, Rajas of the Ganges, uh, from Inca and Marcus Brand and Hook and Friends, which seems to just be called Hook now. Uh, so you're taking on the role of rajas, and players control the destiny of their princedom and develop their province by using the caste system, which is interesting. Trading goods and traveling along the Ganges, but the gods are in uh, the gods can influence your fate as well. So um, the I didn't read up a lot on the mechanisms of this game, but the thing that made it. Over a couple of other games made it hit my number 10 is because it's Inca and Marcus Brand. Yes. Um, who are just a design powerhouse of a couple. It's Hook and Friends, which r and Games typically releases their games. And right. I think they might be doing this one too. I believe they are. And the other ones that R&R Games has picked up from Hook and Friends has, have been great. So, uh, And also the board is just this In, game is insanely very, good
1: looking. Yeah, this game is very aesthetically pleasing on yeah, multiple levels for sure. This so, was this was the last game that I cut off of my list. Really? Yeah.
0: Okay. Awesome. So yeah, there's a lot of things that made me put it on there, even though I didn't know a ton about it. So uh, that's Rajas of the Ganges uh, as my number ten. You're number nine, D. Number nine for me is uh, Dead Man's Doubloons. It's designed by
1: Jason Maselli. And it's published by Gaeton Games and Thunderglyph Games. Okay. And in it, players take on the roles of legendary pirate captains, and they bet on uh, races to uh, gain treasure and uh, different artifacts. Uh, you get pieces of uh, treasure maps, gold doubloons, precious jewels, and all of it can be stolen. Okay. Uh, as can the reputation of rival ships. So you can take gotcha. credit for what other people do. That's cool. Um, with the with the right mechanics. Um, eventually the map gets put together and there is a secret treasure that is revealed and there's a race to the secret treasure. Um, but even once somebody has the secret treasure, there's a, there's a fight at the end. And, uh, it's, it's not necessarily the first one to the treasure who wins, although they obviously will have an advantage. Um, but, uh, you can, you can get your ship blown up. You can, you can sink other people and just because you get your ship sunk, you come back immediately as a ghost ship with a ghost crew so you you it's not oh you know I, I got sunk i'm out of the game yeah um and it is they specifically say in the description that it is possible to be sunk and still
0: win the game so oh really yeah that's interesting didn't we play something that had a similar thing was it conan where there was a certain thing where like you as the like uh, overlord player you got killed but you got to come back as a ghost or something there was a game we played recently that had a similar thing like that. Um, one of the characters in Conan had that ability, but... Uh, yeah, that that must be what yeah. I'm thinking of. So, anyway, D, I will say this is... Uh, we talk about it every time we do this, but it's what I love about these lists. Like, I, you will hit on games that I haven't even, like, I didn't even notice, you know, what right. I, mean? I love the stuff that you're able to f- pick out of there. Um, because I go into it going, Oh, yep, know about that one. That I definitely want that one. Right. And I'm almost just like hitting the ones that I've already know about that I really want. And, and then you really did dig really deep into I, on I the dig list.
1: deep into these lists, yeah. man. That like that one and the next one that I'm about to talk about, my number eight, were both I mean, hundred and fifty entries in or more.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, okay.
1: they were way down there.
0: And I will say, for everyone listening, people might know what I'm talking about, but I asked D if he had it, and he said no. I said there's a game with, like, a llama on the front, and did you see it? And he said yes, and I said, is it on your list? And he said no, but just get ready. It's my number two, and I feel like D's going to really be surprised at what this game is. So It may be. If someone's out there listening and you're like, I know exactly what you're talking about, Based on a previous review we did, I think you'll probably get what I'm talking about, but we'll see what you think when we hit number two. All right. So uh, my number nine is First Martians Adventures on the Red Planet from Ignacy Chebyshek and Portal Games. It's a newer version of Robinson Crusoe, and it's pretty cool. So it's uh, on Mars instead of, you know, on an island, and it has an app. So all of the stuff is done through an app rather than just tons of cards and you know, just physical cards. Right. right? So um, they're able to put a ton of different options in as far as those cards go and as far as um, different uh, things that happen to you go. There's, you know, in Robinson Crusoe, there's a deck of cards, but here they can just continually update the app with new stuff, sure. right? So uh, the thing that this game also does it's a little different from Robinson Crusoe is you can play it game by game or you can play it in campaign mode where one game leads into the next. So it's almost got like a small-ish legacy element to it, uh, or campaign mode to it. So uh, it looks cool. I like the theme of Robinson Crusoe more. Absolutely. But uh, this one, I like the updated version of this. I hope someday they take the things that they've done here and add it into Robinson Crusoe. I'm
1: a, I'm a big fan of campaign-type games where, you know— um, Things, things you've done in previous games at least have a chance of coming back and, and helping yeah. you or biting you. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's that alone is enough to get my interest with this.
0: Yeah, and I mean it, I've played Robinson Crusoe once and I really, really liked it. It's a cooperative game that has Euro mechanisms that feels like a real Euro game right? and is really meaty and hard. Like, I don't like a lot of cooperative games, but this one is one that is really up my alley. So sure. I'm definitely excited about this one. And the theme's cool. I like the other theme better, but the theme's cool it, anyway. Uh, so that's First Martian's Adventures on the Red Planet. D, number eight. My number eight is Meeple Circus by uh, Cedric Millay,
1: and it's published by Madigo Games. Um, so when you open up a big box of games, and it's got all these cool meeples and everything, and you're trying to figure out what happens, what inevitably does one of the other players do?
0: Start stacking up
1: the meeples. Exactly. They start stacking <laughs> yeah. up all the meeples. So uh, Meeple Circus is a game full of meeples and animeeples, and you get to design ways to stack the meeples and the animeeples together and make giant towers of things. That's cool. And the entire, the entire point is to make unique and different towers of meeples and animeeples and impress everybody else at the table.
0: And I bet you're right. I bet a game designer was sitting there one day watching someone at the table while someone was reading the rules. Yeah, I mean,
1: I am the world's worst about this. I've, like... I don't know how many times you and I have sat down you're you're reading the rules as you're going and I'm listening with one ear and I'm stacking every meeple I can get my hands on with the other. Yeah, or any piece in general. Yeah, or any so, piece yeah. in general. That's how do I stack really this cool. perfectly rounded pawn on top of everything else? Well, so, and- <laughs> so
0: meeple circus. meeple circus. Okay, very cool. Um so anything else about that one? Um
1: it's it's a very light game. It's only like it's designed for ages 8 and up. It's a straightforward dexterity game. Yeah, yeah. Um there's, uh, that's just what it is. It's just so, what it is. Yeah. On the on the one to five skill for weight that that board game geek uses, it's a 2.0. Gotcha. I mean, this is a really light game. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But who doesn't? St- uh, like I said, who doesn't stack all the pieces whenever they're sitting around learning how to play games? Oh yeah, for sure. Dexterity a- games are great. Too. Yeah, and- I I
0: really. I don't have enough dexterity games, but they're great, you know? Yep. This game is literally
1: just a game about stacking up all the things in interesting and cool ways.
0: Very cool. Uh, So my number eight is Pulsar 2849. It's on my list mostly due to how much I love Last Will. Okay. So it's by Vladimir Suchi, and it's from CGE. Uh, Vladimir Suchi is the designer of Last Will and Prodigal's Club as well, and Shipyard. He designed Shipyard. Uh, It's a dice-drafting game, so that's another... Check in its favor, sure, and it allows you to take actions to explore the universe. They've opened up gates to explore the universe. Nice, and uh, they kind of describe it as like a millennium after the original gold rush. That's why it's twenty eight forty nine. Okay, um, a millennium after the original gold rush. Here we are, finally getting to rush the rest of the universe. So there's a rushes and stuff, yeah. you know. Um, so uh, it's got a personal. Tech track, which is always great. I love technology track. Absolutely. For myself. Um, and that's really it. I mean, I'm sure there's tons of other mechanisms in the game. But for me, this is about Vladimir Succi, and it's a pretty cool theme. I love when someone takes a theme that is typically used for more American-style games, right. more combative, like, you know, player-versus-player-type games like science fiction, and uses it for a Euro game. So sure, love that. Love Vladimir Suchi. Love his design. So
1: so it's on the list
0: has for sure. Be. So that is Pulsar twenty eight forty nine. My number eight and D. We are at number seven.
1: My number seven is Iberian Rails by Tony Chin and published by Monsoon Gaming. Um, so this is a is train
0: eighteen XX game.
1: Uh, no, it's a little lighter than that. From from what I understand. Okay, um, it has a lot of that uh, that feel. Yeah, but not not quite as complex. Okay, um, it is it is set in uh, Spain mm-hmm. during their rail expansion, and you get uh, a character. They they have a character row mechanism, and the different you you play the CEO of a company, and you can transfer from one company to another. Um, and each each round you take a couple of turns. Okay, um, you lay tracks, you buy stocks in other companies, or you pay dividends, much like an eighteen XX game. Um, the feel that I got off of this is just they tried to make a really lightweight 18xx game. That's cool. And then give it a euro spin because most 18xx games are set in America. Yeah, yeah. So um, if you're if you're a little daunted by an 18xx game, which I'm not going to lie, even though as, as much as I like to play games, that's a really big game to go into cold. Yeah. This might be a really good gateway game. That's why it made my
0: list. Yeah, for sure. Okay, and it's called Iberian Rails? Iberian Rails. Cool. I actually noticed more than uh, usual, there were like... It's it's been seeming like that that eighteen xx thing has been kind of being more accepted by the general gaming agreed public because you got that game that Hisashi Hiyashi did where it was like a trick taking eighteen xx game right there's another game coming out soon that's like a something eighteen xx game and then you've got lighter eighteen xx fare like this right
1: well there's a there's a re release
0: of eighteen eighteen ct I think it is. Yeah.
1: Here at Essen as well.
0: 18CZ. CZ, yeah. that's what it so is. So Yeah, and now in the, even at Essen, at conventions, you're seeing 18xx games released. Right. Which is really interesting. Agreed. So, um, I found a uh, podcast about 18xx games only. Wow. Which is called uh, Dual Gauge. Hmm. So I'll have to if check anyone's that out. interested, check it out. So my number seven um, is Merlin from Steffenfeld and Queen Games. So Steffenfeld has released some funky stuff over the last couple of years. Uh he's, he, he's
1: definitely been branching out into into other things trying to expand his repertoire.
0: Yeah, and releasing things with these really weird themes where you're like, is this like a st- Euroy Euroe Steffenfeld game or is it like a you know, there was the Aquasphere yes. game where it was like, your job was to program a robot to go Clean squids off the outside of your aquapod. Like, that's a really that's a weird odd game. game, you know. Yeah, like when before you've got Bruges. Like I mean, we all know Euro games are best when they're named after the cities of the world. Sure. Um, I mean, you've got Bruges and you've got Luna and you've got all the really very Euroy games that Steffenfeld has done, and then he starts doing some kind of just like funkier stuff, right? But this one seems cool. So. It's got an action ring. Okay. It's about it's about King Arthur's trying to find a successor. Okay. So he enlists the help of Merlin to help him find a successor, right? So you want to be one of those successors. So you're trying to influence Merlin and influence the Knights of the Round Table to become that person, right? So uh, there's an action ring. It almost looks like a giant rondel, uh, which is a uh, rondel is just an action ring. And Mac Gertz is the person who uses those mostly in his games. Uh but you can move your knights, you have your own knights, but everybody can move Merlin. Okay. So there's one meeple that is Merlin, and everybody can move him. So it's kind of got this really cool balance of like I can use Merlin in my plans. So say we're playing a three-player game. I'm gonna it's gonna get around to me in two turns, and I can use Merlin in my plans. But I don't want to make too many plans based on Merlin because he might be in a completely different place by the time he gets around to me. Right. So, pretty interesting push and pull there. It also has very colorful dice in all the pictures I've seen. And my God, does Steffenfeld know how to use. Colorful dice in his game. Yes, he does. I mean, uh, my favorite Steffenfeld game that I've played, Bora Bora, I mean, he just uses dice so well in his games. He was the first person that I really saw that was taking dice and saying it doesn't matter if it's a high number or a low number. Like in this situation, a low number might be great for, for you. A one might be the best number you could get. Yes. You know. So he was the first person I remember doing that or a game I saw, mm-hmm. which he just really knows how to use dice well to where they're not luck based. They may be random, but they're not luck. Right. You know? The only
1: way the only way that, that it becomes a luck issue is if you continually roll the same two numbers
0: over and over and over and again. You don't need and them. And eventually at all, no. you just don't need those two numbers. Yeah. Period. yeah. So uh Cool dice, which Steppenfell is good at. Cool, interesting theme. And this cool giant rondelle-looking thing of which you have this, like, do I use Merlin? Do I not use him? Is he not going to be there? Is he going to be way far away to where my plan is completely shot? So it's like, how much do I want to build Merlin into my plans, you know? Which kind of reminded me of uh, Discoveries. That was the only game I could think of where it was like, where other players can use your stuff. Mm -hmm. So it was like, in, in Discoveries, you have, um, you have your stuff and then you have these other colored uh, dice, if I remember correctly, they're dice, and other people can use those. So it's right. like, how much do I want to use them? Because at some point, no, all the dice go into a pool and you can take other people's dice. But at some point, the other player can say, I want all my dice back. So okay. you can be have it. You can have all these plans, and someone can just rip it all away from you. So it kind of felt a little like that, right? Sure. So this is Merlin from Steffenfeld and Queen Games. Really excited about that one. D. Uh,
1: we are at number six. Number six. My number six is Outlive. It's by uh, Gregory Oliver, published by ArcLight, Last Level, Rebel, Surfing Meeple, China, <laughs> and uh, a French company that I am not going to try to butcher their name. Okay. Um, but uh, in, in Outlive, it's a management and survival game in the post-apocalyptic universe. Um, basically, nature has, has overcome the world of man. Uh, players have six days, which is basically six rounds, to send uh, heroes, members of their settlements, out to gather resources during the day and then to protect the place at night. Okay. Um, so you have two phases to each round, day phase and night phase. Um and basically, it's it's just your your straightforward. I don't want to say zombie type game because there's no zombies involved that I'm aware of, but it's a it's a post apocalyptic survival game.
0: Yeah, yeah. Which I guess is typically shown to you in, in the form of zombies, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that. No,
1: I mean yeah. if you think about it, there's lots of ways the world could could effectively end.
0: Yeah, yeah. Have you ever heard of the just completely off topic the Fantasy Fly RPG series that's like the end of the world series yes. or whatever it's called it's c- kind of like that right kind like, of yes it's like this is the end of the world how how does it happen mm-hmm. but it's the plants
1: yeah and this one it's it's nature just said all right just nature in general yeah so i'm i'm guessing it is both flora and fauna but, yeah yeah um it it doesn't say exactly how the world ended just nature has nature has won
0: the battle of of man versus nature Cool, and what's it called? Um, it is called Outlive. All right, and uh, who's the? Is there an um, uh, English company releasing it? Is it? ArcLight. Okay, cool. So uh, my D, my number six, we're on six, is starting to really get into that like hard to hard choices to make, right? Because my numbers one through five could have all. all all been number one right okay so this number six is almost in that category as well but not quite but it is clans of caledonia from juma al juju and i wanted to make sure and mention this uh, art by clemens franz right so the way art works in board games i imagine is i'm gonna hire you to do the art right right but i would imagine that an artist of that stature wouldn't just put their name on anything, right? Surely not. I've never heard of this designer, but the game just looks really good. It's got a farming theme, which farming Euro game, so I'm always down for that. Uh, so Clans of Caledonia, and it's from Karma Games. Uh, it's a mid-to-heavy economic game set in 19th century Scotland. So at this time, Scotland made a transition from agricultural to industrialized Uh Society that heavily relied on trade and export. So in the following years, food production increased significantly to feed the population growth. So linen was increasingly substituted for cheaper cotton, and raising sheep was given high importance. And distilleries were a big deal. They were founded, and whiskey became the premium alcoholic beverage in Europe. So in this game, Clans of Caledonia players represent historic clans with unique abilities and compete to produce trade and export agricultural goods and of course whiskey.
1: So you were talking about how, you know, any of these could have been your number one. Yeah. This is number two on my list. Oh really? Clans of Caledonia. Oh great. Awesome. So we might as well just talk about yeah, it. Yeah, let's just take a moment and talk about this. This yeah. game, first off it's it's pretty. Um it, it caught my eye immediately just from it a is glance. Really
0: nice looking. You're um,
1: right. looking at the pieces, it has all of the medium to heavyweight Euro y uh, mechanisms that I look for in an economic game yeah um, just just glancing at the board looking around I go I've probably played games similar to this before and I love them
0: yeah for sure
1: um, the the theme uh, speaks to me a lot um, you know being a being a history buff having mm-hmm. that that background um, I can tell you a bit about what they went through in real life. And, uh I'm really curious as to how well like how closely it translates yeah because just from the from the uh, description of the game I'm like yeah that's that's pretty much exactly what happened yeah so it really had my attention from the word go yeah and
0: how much it can put that historical significance in there even in an abstraction of a board game sure. you know yeah it looks really cool it's beautiful looking euro game with the farming theme. It's got a couple of eccentricities thrown in like, you know, distilleries and, you know, producing whiskey and stuff like that.
1: Yeah, cuz whiskey was like obviously it 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 existed. Yeah. But it was it was a it was a local drink at best. I yeah. mean, everybody had their own little batch and nobody really cared about it on a on an international stage. You For know, sure. nowadays you can get whiskey anywhere uh, with the with the e or otherwise um you know there's there's people who make it in the United States. there's Canadian whiskies, obviously, um scotch itself is a type of whiskey yeah um you you think about it nowadays it's it's everywhere and it's prevalent throughout all the cultures that drink alcohol uh that are at least somewhat tied into the western world yeah, yeah, um and all of that happened at this time towards the end of the eighteenth century,
0: yeah, for sure uh and it's cool that it says uh each player has unique abilities which is always great asymmetry in games like this always throws in a little extra flavor Absolutely. to it. Absolutely. Uh, I think it's so cool how like I know it's like a joke like oh you lo- love farming games, right? It sounds really boring. But how cool is it actually that through board games you can almost play the in, the agricultural history of the world. Yeah. Like pretty awesome. And and you can and and you're right
1: by saying the world because you can you can play Asian farming games. Yeah. You can go there are Australian farming games, obviously North America and Europe all over the place.
0: No, I can't. Spirits of the Rice Paddy. Yeah. Uh Lagranya if you want to play a game set in Mallorca in Spain, mm-hmm. right? Germany. Not only that, but Fields of Arla is about a particular region in Germany, right? Right. Uh a game i'm gonna talk about as my number one actually is a farming game set in India like th- it's you can really play the agricultural history of the world, yes. It's pretty cool. It is pretty cool. So, Clans of Caledonia, my number six, D's number two. Uh, D, let's go ahead and hit on, uh, actually, let's take a quick break, and then we'll come back and we'll do our number five through one. Talk about some other games coming out at the convention. Before we take that break real quick, Game and Movie Traders, located at 2900 West Washington Street, right next door to the movie theater. They carry a selection of boarding card games, including Magic the Gathering, Pokemon, Yu-Gi-Oh!, and more board and card games as well. They also host groups and tournaments for all these games, plus Dungeons & Dragons, Warhammer, and more. For more information, they can be reached at 965-GAME or at facebook.com slash Game and Movie Traders S-Ville. Hey, Tarleton students. This is DJ Truffle Shuffle coming through your stereo. Have you ever wanted to be a star on the radio like me? Well, guess what? You can, and it's actually very easy to get started. All you have to do is call our station at 254-968-9586 or come see us in the math building, room 138 on the TSU campus, and one of our delightful workers will get you started. We're always looking for new talent, so why not give it a shot? Who knows, it could change your life. Until then, keep it tuned to KXTR 100.7 The Planet, Stephenville's home for rock and hip-hop. All right, everybody, welcome back to the show. Lance McFarlane here with D Clark. You are listening to Bags and Boards here on KXTR 100.7 The Planet. We are the board game review and discussion show here on The Planet, and today we are talking about Essen 2017. We're running down our top 10 most anticipated games coming out at the fair and going to talk about some other games releasing at the convention. So we are at number 5. We've just done 10 through 6, starting with number 5. D, your number 5.
1: My number 5 is Tao Long, The Way of the Dragon. Uh, designed by Tox Lucan and Pedro Latro. Uh, it's published by Gate On Games and Thunderglyph Games. Um, in in Tao Along the Way of the Dragon, it's a circular, abstract-like game in which each action taken leaves different options for your foe, so kind of like Onitama. Okay. Um, uh, in the in this game, each player controls a dragon, striving to diminish the other, uh, but you're still bound together by Tao. Okay. Uh, you manipulate tokens on a special board in order to activate your dragon. You leave the same board to be manipulated by your opponent on their turn. So you set up your moves, but at the same time, they're trying to set up their moves and, and uh, you get into each other's way and whatnot. Okay. You have to make the best of, of what may, ne- may not necessarily be the best situation. Yeah, yeah. Um, there are customizable scenarios and increasingly profound modes both where both dragons will move, attack, and block each other's way to seek dominance. At the end, there can only be one dragon.
0: So it is, ju- is it just a two-player game? It is just
1: a two-player game.
0: Okay, and is is it like more of an abstract yes sort of game? Cool. It's um, called Tao Long.
1: Yes, Tao Long, uh, The Way of the Dragon. Cool.
0: Awesome, man. So my number five. Is Charterstone. Uh, this is designed by Jamie Stegmeier and Stonemeyer Games. So, this is the big one, right? So, like like I said, my number five through one, I feel like could all be number one. Sure. Um, but, Charterstone is. Okay, so we're. We are maybe six years into Legacy. If you want to talk about like really where these hobby board games started in Legacy We're right. like two years into it. So you had Risk Legacy, which was like mind-blowing idea that people played, but it was still Risk, right? right. So then you get Pandemic Legacy, and Jamie Stegmeyer says, okay, so I'm going to release a Legacy game that is a Euro game. Sure. Um, and here it is. Uh, you also had Seafall as well, right? But Charter Stone from Jamie Stegmeier uh, is a competitive legacy game. A competitive Euro legacy game. You construct buildings and populate a shared village. So building stickers are permanently added to the game board and become action spaces for any player to use. So we're talking about buildings like uh, in Lahav, like where you have buildings which are like cards, right? And you know other people can use your building, but they have to pay you. I'm not sure if they have to pay you in this one, but it's kind of that same thing. where okay. like, you have your own buildings, but other people can use them, right? But these are stickers. They become permanent additions to the board, right? But anyone can use the stuff that you've permanently added to the board. So, um, They become action spaces for all players to use. So you start off with simple choices and just a few workers, but soon you have a bustling village with dozens of possible actions. So your journey through Charterstone uh, will last 12 games, which is interesting because, you know, all the other ones have been, well, Risk Legacy was an exact amount of games. Pandemic Legacy was interesting because it was 12 to 24 games. Yeah, it depended on how well you did. Yes, so uh, this one is 12 games. But what's really interesting about this one is that your completed village will be a one-of-a-kind worker placement game with a ton of variability. So, and with Pandemic, when you're done, the way it's talked about is that you just throw it away. Yep. But you don't really have to because what you have is a really interesting game of Pandemic at the end. Right. There's some things that you can't use that are on the board and things like that. But you can still play it. But that's not how it's marketed, right? Correct. This one is different in that it's actually being marketed as, you know, keep playing it. Like here you end with a game that's way different than the game you started out with. You're not going to be able to make changes to it anymore. It's no longer a legacy game. You finish the story of the game. But now you just have this really great game on your shelf, this worker placement game that is unique to you. Yeah, because no board will end up. Exactly
1: like the other board, at least in theory.
0: And that's how Risk was. Right. Risk was, at the end, you end up with your very own unique copy of Risk, Legacy. Pretty cool, right? Yeah, very. I mean, So everyone will have their own version of Charterstone sitting on their shelves at the end, which I think is great. This is a Euro Legacy game with that element. They're also going to be selling recharge packs if you want to recharge the Legacy element of Absolutely. it. Absolutely. So they're not saying, hey, go buy another copy. I mean, Pandemic was saying so much buy another copy that they released two different boxes. <laughs>
1: and and it was like when, when Pandemic Legacy first came out, it was an instant turnoff for me, and I know I wasn't the only one, because I was like, wait a minute, you want me to play this game 12 to 24 times and then throw it in the garbage, and if I want to play it again, go get another one? No, this is a board game. It's not how that works. And it took me a long time for me to wrap my head around yeah. why and how.
0: Yeah, because that doesn't bother me at all, because right. a game on my shelf that I love I might not ever play 18 times.
1: Right, whereas the games that I own with one or two exceptions, I've played all of them 25
0: or more times. Yeah, so I guess there's the there's the big difference. But it's like if you think about it like if you're play if you're playing with a group of 3 friends, right? Right. If you and your group of 3 friends went out to dinner and went to the movies and got a coke and popcorn at the movies, how much money would you spend?
1: Probably the same
0: amount as a board game. Which you know is, what I mean? Which, so like,
1: and that's what it took was me thinking about it that way as yeah. opposed to comparing it to other traditional board games where you can play it theoretically an infinite number of times.
0: Yeah. Legacy games are just weird like that. Yeah. They make people have like, wait, so I'm supposed to tear these cards up? And like and, and then never, but then what if I need it again? And, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, they're definitely uh, different, but Charterstone looks really awesome. I think this is the legacy game that's not based on a previous property that right. I'm the most excited about, for sure. So uh, it's Charterstone from Jamie Stegmeyer, Stomeyer Games. D, we are at number four. My number four
1: is called Heaven and Ale. It is by uh, Michael Keesling and uh, Andreas Schmidt, and it is published by Egertspiel. Um, So, in uh, Heaven and Ale, you have been assigned to lead an ancient monastery and its brewery. Uh, So, it is your job to brew the best ale possible under God's blue sky. Um, To do that, it requires timing. You have to get the best results for production. You have to provide the cloister garden with the best resources you can to grow the best uh, uh, crops that you can. You have to get the right number of monks into the garden to... Uh, gather your harvests in without you know having them get into each other's way or leaving anything out there in the field to go to go to waste. Um, and then you also have a brewmaster, and he's ready to uh, take whatever you bring in and turn it into uh, the best the best beer possible. Cool. So uh, you have uh, competition with the the other players, and there is apparently a fine balance between upgrading the cloister's garden. And the monastery and also harvesting resources that you will need to fill the barrels. Okay. Um, so if you if you do not manage things po- uh, properly, then you're going to get left
0: in the dust. Very cool. So it's,
1: it's very much a, a resource management type game. And a cool theme, too. Yeah, it's an incredibly cool theme. Cause and it's, it's
0: Michael Kiesling. I mean, Kramer and Kiesling are two of my favorite designers ever, and... They and especially Keesling have so many games coming out at this convention,
1: and this is one of the things that was really like interesting to me because Keesling's involved, but Kramer's not. Yeah, and so it was it was one of those games where I get to see him without the other because yeah. the two of them all, together they make great games. That's you know no debate there really. Let's see what the two of them do away from each other.
0: Yeah, but think about this: the possibilities here. I'm not sure if this other designer is the other designer from this game, right? But Keesling by himself. El grande, sure, you know what I mean. So, like, that there's that. Like, I mean, the times that they have stepped away from each other have also produced really great games. So, this has a great chance of you know, right? Uh, so, D, my number four, I'm not going to talk about it long because we have talked about it before, okay. but is Lisboa from Eagle, Griffer game, Eagle, Griffer? Eagle, Eagle, Griffer. Eagle Griffin game, Eagle Griffin, Eagle Griffin, Eagle Griffin games, <laughs> and uh. Vital Lacerda, so you're rebuilding the city of Lisbon in Portugal in 1755 after an earthquake, a tsunami, and three days of fires. This is real life. Uh, Vital Lacerda is from Portugal, so this is a really personal game for him, uh, which makes that part of this is fascinating to Right. Me. I mean, I love that board games can have the same things put into them that movies and books and comics can have put into them absolutely what i mean uh so um which kind of like fields of arlo with uve rosenberg like doing a farming game about the place he's from absolutely yes very cool so the game is played on a real map of downtown lisbon which is even cooler uh and that's it i mean we've talked about it before i think it was on my gen con list it was i'm not going to talk about it anymore but that's my number 4. Lisboa from Equal Griffin Games. So Equal Equal Griffin Games. Eagle I'm just going to say it. <laughs> uh, that's a new way I say that. So uh you're number 3.
1: Um so before going into number 3, um my number my my numbers 1, 2 and 3. I mean I almost flipped coins as to put putting which one into which order. Yeah, yeah. I am super excited about all three of them. Awesome, man. Um they're very they're they're pretty different games, but all of them to me are just super super awesome like i really want to get my hands on all three of them very cool so and we know what your number two is we right? already know what yeah. my number two is um so with that in mind my number three is called kitchen rush hmm. um it's by uh david turzi and uh somebody someone else um <laughs> vangelis uh Bagartakis. okay i think that's how you pronounce that i apologize if i butchered your name sir um, I'm certain that's not how
0: you pronounce it. It's
1: but. it's pronounced <laughs> by uh, Artipia, or it's published by Artipia oh, okay. Games. Yeah. So pretty good publisher. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so this is a a uh, me- this is a restaurant game. It's co op. Um, so we are working together to put employees into uh, different positions to run our restaurant so that okay. we that we all own together. Um, but the catch is is that the different employees are represented by uh, sand timers. Oh. and so whenever you put an employee into a job to do a thing, you turn over the sand timer and they cannot be moved to something else until the sand has run out of the timer. That's cool. And you have limited workers to work with. Um, the game is played in four rounds. Each round is four to five minutes. Um, so it's very much a time, uh, a time management issue. Yeah. Um, and it goes through all of the things that you have to do for running a restaurant from getting, uh, produce and things like that in to, to prep, doing the actual cooking, waiting on tables, bussing tables, uh, you know, proper serving. Uh, you even got a Mater D role if, if you want to yeah, put yeah. somebody out front, you know, use somebody for that role. Um, but it's it's all timed. You've only got so many employees. You've got more spots to fill than you have employees, and you can't
0: shift people around until after their timer is up. Very cool. Yeah, yeah, there was a game from IDW called Wartime, which does a similar thing as well. That actually just came out. That's right. It's a, a cool mechanism. Uh, my number three, D, I've got to tell you, uh, this is called uh, Nusfjord from Lookout Mayfair Games and Uwe Rosenberg. Sure. So I've got a deep, dark secret to tell you. My wife already knows this. So okay. I, I'm okay telling everyone here on the radio. I love fjords. Fjord. <laughs> so I just do. They're like one of my, like, they're the most, like, awesome looking natural formation in the world. If you don't know what that is, it's like a it's like a path cut through the mountains by glaciers right that fills with seawater. Yep. So if you see like a show like Vikings, like they live in a fjord, you Correct. know what I mean? So uh, Nuss Fjord from Uwe Rosenberg you own a major fishing company in Nesfjord on the Lofoten archipelago. Uh, your goal is to develop the harbor and the surrounding landscape, and to succeed, you must enlarge your fleet, clear the forest, erect new buildings, and satisfy the local elders. As with the Gricola and Ora at Labora, Nusfjord has a worker placement mechanism, so it's going to be similar to that. Money is scarce, just like food in other Uwe Rosenberg games, and one of the quicker, easier ways to get money is to place shares of your own company on the market. So you've got this cool, like, economic thing going on, rather sure. than like on the farm or worried about food and stuff. Right. So, like uh, Nusfjord, Uwe Rosenberg has big box game for this year. He was g- going at it a little slower there for a while, and now it's just big game big game like he's like really knocking them out it's so. it's almost like he's making up for lost time yeah for sure so i'm excited about this one coming out for mayfair games I'm, we're going to cover this one on the show so
1: i have a i have a confession to make concerning fjord's okay the first thing that pops into my head when somebody says fjord is pinky in the brain
0: i don't know the reference but i do love Pinky in the brain. I did when I was a kid. It was,
1: it was one of the words that Pinky would randomly say.
0: Oh, gotcha. <laughs> uh, along with Narf
1: and, and things like that. He would oh, occasionally gotcha. say Fjord.
0: Fjord. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so anyway, Decent, you already covered your number two. We did. It's I'm Clans of Caledonia. Mine. It's great. This is the one, okay, so it's got a, it's not a llama, but what's the other thing that's similar to a llama? An alpaca? Yes, it's an alpaca on the cover, and it's just a really funky looking cover. Yes. Um. So this is called Altiplano from DLP Games and Reiner Stockhausen. I don't know if the name Reiner Stockhausen is uh Look at your memory there. I was say, It sounds familiar. So this is a bag-building game similar to Orléans okay. from the designer of Orléans. There we go. That's so, why it's... Yeah, so that's the thing I thought would make you go like, oh, that's yeah. what that game was. So this is the follow-up to Orléans essentially. You loved Orleans. Uh, yes. So here we go. This one's going to be awesome. I'm I should hope so. about this one. So it's uh, set in the highlands of the Andes Mountains. Two to five players work to collect and organize goods, some of which are not immediately available or usable to each player. Since players start with unique resources and roles, uh, not only are the resources tight in this game, but storage and the delivery of goods is extremely important and really competitive. So this is similar to Orleans, but it looks a lot different. You've got multiple little boards in odd shapes. But it is does have that bag building element as well. Right. Go look at a picture of this game. It's really cool looking. The cover is so trippy looking and then like the game just looks great. I so. think
1: I think that's what happened is I pulled this game up and I I was looking at it and I was like This thing looks like it was designed on an acid trip. The immediate reaction
0: to this game is to not even bother looking. I'm pretty sure sure. that's exactly what happened. Uh, So, D, we don't have a lot of time left, so let's hit our number ones and then see if we can talk about a couple of other games. Okay. So, your number one. My number one, drum
1: roll is Gaia Project. Oh, yeah. Um, It's by uh, Helga Ostertag and Jens Droegemuller. It's published by Asmodee, amongst other people. Yeah. So uh, super excited about that because it means that it will be coming over at some point. Yeah, yeah. Um, in Gaia Project, it's it's a game along the lines of Terra Mystica. Yeah, a follow-up to Terra Mystica, yes. right? Yeah. Um, as in the original, you have 14 different factions living on seven different kinds of planets, and each faction is bound to their own home planets. Uh, so to develop and grow, you must terraform neighboring planets into their home environments, but you're in competition with all the other groups in the game. Um, In addition, Gaia planets can be used by all factions for colonization. They're basically like Earth. Yeah. Um, uh, You can use these for colonization, uh, and you can also use transdimensional planets and change those into Gaia planets. All the factions can improve their skills in six different areas of development, terraforming, navigation, artificial intelligence, Gaia forming, economy, and research. All of this leads to advanced technologies, which give you special, unique bonuses. Um, I'm a big fan of Terra Mystica. Yeah. Sci-fi and terraforming is always really cool. Terraforming Mars was a great game. Although that's more, you know, looking yeah. at
0: one specific planet. And other than this but, being like the follow-up, it's more like the sci-fi version of. Yeah, I was yeah.
1: that that's to me is more accurate. Is it's, yeah. it's Terra Mystica in space, yeah, which yeah. who doesn't like?
0: Very cool. I, this one was really close to being on my list, for sure. So D. My number one is Agra for Michael Keller and Quinted Games. Uh, Michael Keller is one of the co-designers of La Graña. Sure. Uh, I wish the other designer was part of this as well, but uh, so I... Yeah, no, I don't know. Okay. So, Agra is in India, the year 1572. On your land in Agra, you're going to be cultivating and harvesting cotton and turmeric. So, you have a forest and you produce wood as well as a small sandstone quarry. Uh, so, you're going to be trading and processing uh, to obtain better goods, which will allow you to woo the notables. The Notables?
1: The Notables. The Nobles,
0: as they make their way uh, to the capital for Akbar the Great's birthday celebration.
1: I suppose that the Nobles are notable.
0: That's true. So, uh, (laughs) yeah, this is another... Farming resource building game. So I, I just like the sandstone quarry and the forest and that part of It's pretty I, cool. I
1: literally cut this game from my list only because I was worried about having too many agricultural games on my list. I
0: am never, ever, 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 ever worried about that <laughs> problem, D. Uh So Agra, uh, Michael Keller, the reason this got number one is just because I like LaGrania so much. I don't even know that I like LaGrania more than Orleans. Number 1 and number 2 are both 1A 1B right. for me. I mean there's really no difference in those two. And honestly number 3 is 1C. So like I understand I'm right there with you with my top yeah. 3. So uh that's the list. Let's we've got a couple more minutes I just want to touch on a uh, great list. Sure. Uh, yes. Two very good. Li- I'm I'm excited about these. So um want to touch on a couple of other games. Um, I wanted to say expansions coming out for Terraforming Mars, Voyages of Marco Polo, Lorenzo il Magnifico, Splendor, Isle of Sky, Concordia, Cacao, Emotep, Versindas, Vulcan, Fields of Arla, among others. Some, among many others, awesome expansions coming out as well. If you have any of those games, w- reprint of Wildcatters. Very, very hard to get games. Capstone Games is blowing my mind. Yes, with the games that they are bringing to the people in the United States, they're like doing a public service here. That
1: wildcatters was on my list until i realized that this was just capstone games bringing it over and, yeah. and announcing all of that but it's
0: been out of print and hard to get for so long they're just doing an awesome thing yes for heavy gamers in this the is, u.s
1: this is a little short of just public service
0: yeah uh reprint of london from osprey games Mar- martin wallace game absolutely I, the couple of martin wallace games i've played i've loved so definitely down to play that uh, Transatlantic, which is Mac Gertz, the guy who does Rondells. Right. It's his big game that he's been working on for a long time. So it's almost like his magnum opus. So uh, Transatlantic. Azul from Plan B Games. It's Plan B Games' second game. So we're going to see what they do with like a little bit heavier Euro game. I'm it, really looking forward to seeing their follow-up. Also from Michael Kiesling as well. Uh, and... Uh, Let's see, other Michael Keesling games. We've got Castle of Burgundy Dice game, not Michael Keesling, but Hunt for the Ring, uh, Card City XL, Harvest Island, another farming game, Medical Frontier. Um, Hisashi Yashi has a game coming out called Isaribi. Kramer and Kiesling together have a game coming out from Egertspiel called ReWorld. Um, we've got the Game of Thrones Catan. Uh, also from Michael Keesling. we've got a game called Riverboat. Uh, a new deck for Agricola. Iron Dragon from Mayfair Games. Uh, Mini rails from Moa Ideas. <clears throat> uh, let's see. Stefan Reist has a game coming out called Riga. Uh, Keeper from uh, Richard Breeze and R&D Games. An antiquity reprint from Splatter Spell, in which they have finally started reprinting some of their games. The Bottle Imp a reprint from Stronghold Games. Of that, all of the new fast forward games from Friedman Freeze: uh, Fear, Flea and Fortress. Yes, from Friedman Freeze. These are games with no rules. You start playing the game, and you start discovering how the game's played,
1: which is really interesting mechanic. And yeah. I'm, it, it's a little scary, but at the same time, it's also really exciting.
0: Yeah, I want to check those out for sure. Uh, Tribes, Early Civilization from Tea Time Productions. Sure. And uh, Montana from White Goblin Games looks pretty cool. And the other big one that, that was like number two on the hotness for SN is Photosynthesis from Blue Orange Games. Right. That almost made my list as well. I want to definitely touch on that. Really cool, beautiful-looking game. So check that out if you're interested. Uh, D, that's going to have to do it for us this week. Wanted to say real quick that also at Game & Movie Traders is Circle A Skate Shop. Next door to the movie theater, uh, they offer skateboards and longboards and carry accessories, including trucks, wheels, skate videos, and more. Information at 965-GAME or by searching Circle A Skate Shop Stevenville on Facebook. Great episode, D. Really excited about all these games. When we come back, I believe we're going to be talking about Viral. Uh, from yes. Arcane Wonders. Maybe well maybe, maybe more than that, but just yeah, at least viral. We'll at least be touching on viral somewhat yeah. that at that point. So we'll be back in the next couple of weeks. At least by at least in three weeks we'll have a new episode.
1: Oh if we
0: don't, something's gone wrong. I hope we have one uh not next week but the week after this. Yes. So we'll be back then. So enjoy this, everybody. Check out the other games coming out at Essen because this is a small fraction of what's coming out. So we will see you guys next time. Bye everybody. I'm going